0: And 145 dollars a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro dot co slash snoozecast.
1: stories and other news subscribe to this newsletter at snoozecast.com this episode is brought to you by professed affections tonight we shall read the next part of pride and prejudice written by jane austen if you'd like to listen from the beginning please find and listen to all the previous episodes easily at snoozcast.com slash series. In the last episode, Mr. Collins and Lizzie discuss their conflicting interests in the subject of their mutual matrimony. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. your body into the softness of your bed now take a few deep breaths in spite of her disappointment in her husband mrs. Bennett was not ready to give up the point in arguing that her daughter should indeed marry mr. Collins she talked to Elizabeth again and again coaxed and threatened her by turns she endeavored to secure Jane in her interest but Jane with all possible mildness declined interfering and Elizabeth, sometimes with real earnestness, and sometimes with playful gaiety, replied to her attacks. Though her manner varied, however, her determination never did. Mr. Collins, meanwhile, was meditating in solitude on what had passed. He thought too well of himself to comprehend on what motives his cousin could refuse him. And though his pride was hurt, he suffered in no other way. His regard for her was quite imaginary, and the possibility of her deserving her mother's reproach prevented his feeling any regret. While the family were in this confusion, Charlotte Lucas came to spend the day with them. She was met in the vestibule by Lydia, who, flying to her, cried in a half whisper, "'I'm glad you're come, for there is such fun here. What do you think happened this morning?' Mr. Collins had made an offer to Lizzie, and she will not have him. Charlotte hardly had time to answer before they were joined by Kitty, who came to tell the same news. And no sooner had they entered the breakfast room, where Mrs. Bennett was alone, than she likewise began on the subject calling on Miss Lucas for her compassion and entreating her to persuade her friend Lizzie to comply with the wishes of all her family. Pray do, my dear Miss Lucas, she added in a melancholy tone, for nobody is on my side, nobody takes part with me. I am cruelly used. Nobody feels for my poor nerves. Charlotte's reply was spared by the entrance of Jane and Elizabeth. Ay, there she comes, continued Mrs. Bennet, looking as unconcerned as may be and caring no more for us than if we were at York provided she can have her own way. But I tell you, Miss Lizzie, if you take it into your head to go on refusing every offer of marriage in this way, you will never get a husband at all, and I am sure I do not know who is to maintain you when your father is dead. I shall not be able to keep you, and so I warn you, I have done with you from this very day I told you in the library you know that I should never speak to you again and you will find me as good as my word I have no pleasure in talking to undutiful children not that I have much pleasure indeed in talking to anybody people who suffer as I do from nervous complaints can have no great inclination for talking Nobody can tell what I suffer, but it is always so. Those who do not complain are never pitied. Her daughters listened in silence to this effusion, sensible that any attempt to reason with her or soothe her would only increase the irritation. She talked on, therefore, without interruption from any of them till they were joined by mr. Collins who entered the room with an air more stately than usual and on perceiving whom she said to the girls now I do insist upon it that you all of you hold your tongues and let me and mr. Collins have a little conversation together Elizabeth passed quietly out of the room Jane and Kitty followed but Lydia stood her ground determined to hear all she could and Charlotte detained first by the civility of mr. Collins Whose enquiries after herself and all her family were very minute, and then by a little curiosity satisfied herself with walking to the window and pretending not to hear. In a doleful voice, Mrs. Bennet began the projected conversation. Oh, Mr. Collins! My dear madam, replied he let us be forever silent on this point far be it from me he presently continued in a voice that marked his displeasure to resent the behavior of your daughter resignation to inevitable evils is the duty of us all the peculiar duty of a young man who has been so fortunate as I have been in early preferment, and I trust I am resigned. Perhaps not the less so from feeling a doubt of my positive happiness had my fair cousin honored me with her hand, for I have often observed that resignation is never so perfect as when the blessing denied begins to lose somewhat, of its value in our estimation. You will not, I hope, consider me as showing any disrespect to your family, my dear madam, by thus withdrawing my pretensions to your daughter's favor, without having paid yourself and Mr. Bennett the compliment of requesting you to interpose your authority in my behalf. My conduct may, I fear, be objectionable in having accepted my dismission from your daughter's lips instead of your own. But we are all liable to error. I have certainly meant well through the whole affair. My object has been to secure an amiable companion for myself, with due consideration for the advantage of all your family and if my manner has been at all reprehensible, I here beg leave to apologize. Chapter 21 The discussion of Mr. Collins' offer was now nearly at an end, and Elizabeth had only to suffer from the uncomfortable feelings necessarily attending it, and occasionally from some peevish illusions of her mother. As for the gentleman himself, his feelings were chiefly expressed, not by embarrassment or dejection, or by trying to avoid her, but by stiffness of manner, and resentful silence he scarcely ever spoke to her and the assiduous attentions which he had been so sensible of himself were transferred for the rest of the day to Miss Lucas whose civility in listening to him was a seasonable relief to them all and especially to her friend The morrow produced no abatement of Mrs. Bennet's ill humor or ill health. Mr. Collins was also in the same state of angry pride. Elizabeth had hoped that his resentment might shorten his visit, but his plan did not appear in the least affected by it. He was always to have gone on Saturday and to Saturday he meant to stay after breakfast the girls walked to Meryton to inquire if mr. Wickham had returned and to lament over his absence from the Netherfield ball he joined them on their entering the town and attended them to their aunts where his regret and vexation and the concern of everybody was well talked over to elizabeth however he voluntarily acknowledged that the necessity of his absence had been self-imposed i found said he as the time drew near that i had better not meet mr darcy that to be in the same room the same party with him for so many hours together might be more than I could bear and that scenes might arise unpleasant to more than myself. She highly approved of his forbearance and they had leisure for a full discussion of it and for all the commendation which they civilly bestowed on each other. As Wickham and another officer walked back with them to Longburn, and during the walk he particularly attended to her. His accompanying them was a double advantage. She felt all the compliment it offered to herself, and it was most acceptable as an occasion of introducing him to her father and mother. Soon after their return, a letter was delivered to Miss Bennet. It came from Netherfield. The envelope contained a sheet of elegant, little, hot-pressed paper, well-covered with a lady's fair, flowing hand, and Elizabeth saw her sister's countenance change as she read it and saw her dwelling intently, on some particular passages. Jane recollected herself soon, and putting the letter away, tried to join with her usual cheerfulness in the general conversation. But Elizabeth felt an anxiety on the subject which drew off her attention even from Wickham. And no sooner had he and his companion taken leave than a glance from Jane invited her to follow her upstairs. When they had gained their own room, Jane, taking out the letter, said, This is from Caroline Bingley. What is contained has surprised me a good deal. The whole party have left Netherfield by this time, and are on their way to town, and without any intention of coming back again. You shall hear what she says. She then read the first sentence aloud, which comprised the information of their having just resolved to follow their brother to town directly and of their meaning to dine at Mr. Hurst's house. The next was in these words, I do not pretend to regret anything I shall leave in your town, except your society, my dearest friend, but we will hope, at some future period, to enjoy many returns Of that delightful intercourse we have known and in the meanwhile may lessen the pain of separation by a very frequent and most unreserved correspondence I depend on you for that to these high-flown expressions Elizabeth listened with all the insensibility of distrust and, though the suddenness of their removal surprised her, she saw nothing in it really to lament. It was not to be supposed that their absence from Netherfield would prevent Mr. Bingley's being there. And, as to the loss of their society, she was persuaded that Jane must cease to regard it in the enjoyment of of his it is unlucky said she after a short pause that you should not be able to see your friends before they leave the country but may we not hope that the period of future happiness to which Miss Bingley looks forward may arrive earlier than she is aware and that the delightful intercourse you have known as friends will be renewed with yet greater satisfaction as sisters? Mr. Bingley will not be detained in London by them. Caroline decidedly says that none of the party will return into Hertfordshire this winter. I will read it to you. When my brother left us yesterday, he imagined that the business which took him to London might be concluded in three or four days, but as we are certain it cannot be so, and at the same time convinced that when Charles gets to town he will be in no hurry to leave it again, we have determined on following him thither, that he may not be obliged to spend his vacant hours in a comfortless hotel Many of my acquaintances are already there for the winter. I wish that I could hear that you, my dearest friend, had any intention of making one of the crowd, but of that I despair. I sincerely hope your Christmas in Hertfordshire might abound in the gaieties which that season generally brings, and that your beau will be so numerous as to prevent your feeling the loss of the three of whom we shall deprive you it is evident by this added jane that he comes back no more this winter it is only evident that miss bingley does not mean that he should why will you think so it must be his own doing he is his own master but you do not know all. I will read you the passage which particularly hurts me. I will have no reserves from you. Mr. Darcy is impatient to see his sister and to confess the truth, we are scarcely less eager to meet her again. I really do not think Georgiana Darcy has her equal for beauty, elegance, and accomplishments and the affection she inspires in Louisa and myself is heightened into something still more interesting, from the hope we dare entertain of her being hereafter, our sister. I do not know whether I ever before mentioned to you my feelings on this subject, but I will not leave the country without confiding them and I trust you will not esteem them unreasonable. My brother admires her greatly already. He will have frequent opportunity now of seeing her on the most intimate footing. Her relations all wish the connection as much as his own, and a sister's partiality is not misleading me, I think, when I call Charles most capable of engaging any woman's heart with all these circumstances to favor an attachment and nothing to prevent it, am I wrong, my dearest Jane, in indulging the hope of an event which will secure the happiness of so many? What do you think of this sentence, my dear Lizzie? said Jane as she finished it. Is it not clear enough to you? Does it not expressly declare that Caroline neither expects nor wishes me to be her sister, that she is perfectly convinced of her brother's indifference, and that if she suspects the nature of my feelings for him, she means, most kindly, to put me on my guard? Can there be any other opinion on the subject? Yes, there can for mine is totally different. Will you hear it? Most willingly. You shall have it in a few words. Miss Bingley sees that her brother is in love with you and wants him to marry Miss Darcy. She follows him to town in hope of keeping him there and tries to persuade you that he does not care about you jane shook her head indeed jane you ought to believe me no one who has ever seen you together can doubt his affection miss bingley i am sure cannot she is not such a simpleton could she have seen half as much love in mr darcy for herself she would have ordered her wedding clothes but the case is this we are not rich enough or grand enough for them and she is the more anxious to get miss Darcy for her brother from the notion that when there has been one intermarriage she may have less trouble in achieving a second in which there is certainly some ingenuity and I dare say it would succeed if Miss De Berg were out of the way but my dearest Jane You cannot seriously imagine that because Miss Bingley tells you her brother greatly admires Miss Darcy, he is in the smallest degree less sensible of your merit than when he took leave of you on Tuesday, or that it will be in her power to persuade him that instead of being in love with you, he is very much in love with her friend. If we thought alike of Miss Bingley, replied Jane, your representation of all this might make me quite easy, but I know the foundation is unjust. Caroline is incapable of willfully deceiving anyone, and all that I can hope in this case is that she is deceiving herself. That is right. You could not have started a more happy idea since you will not take comfort in mine. Believe her to be deceived, by all means. You have now done your duty for her and must fret no longer. But, my dear sister, can I be happy, even supposing the best, in accepting a man whose sisters and friends are all wishing him to marry elsewhere? You must decide for yourself said Elizabeth and if upon mature deliberation you find that the misery of disobliging his two sisters is more than equivalent to the happiness of being his wife I advise you by all means to refuse him how can you talk so said Jane Faintly smiling, you must know that though I should be exceedingly grieved at their disapprobation, I could not hesitate. I did not think you would, and that being the case, I cannot consider your situation with much compassion. But if he returns no more this winter, my choice will never be required. A thousand things may arrive in six months. The idea of his returning no more Elizabeth treated with the utmost contempt. It appeared to her merely the suggestion of Caroline's entrusted wishes. And she could not. For a moment, suppose that those wishes, however openly or artfully spoken, could influence a young man so totally independent of everyone. She represented to her sister as forcibly as possible what she felt on the subject and had soon the pleasure of seeing its happy effect. Jane's temper was not desponding and she was gradually led to hope. Though the diffidence of affection sometimes overcame the hope, that Bingley would return to Netherfield and answer every wish of her heart. They agreed that Mrs. Bennett should only hear of the departure of the family without being alarmed on the score of the gentleman's conduct. But even this partial communication gave her a great deal of concern and she bewailed it as exceedingly unlucky that the ladies should happen to go away just as they were all getting so intimate together. After lamenting it, however, at some length, she had the consolation that Mr. Bingley would be soon down again and soon dining at Longburn and the conclusion of all was the comfortable declaration that though he had been invited only to a family dinner she would take care to have two full the Bennets were engaged to dine with the Lucases, and again, during the chief of the day, was Miss Lucas so kind as to listen to Mr. Collins. Elizabeth took an opportunity of thanking her. Charlotte assured her friend of her satisfaction in being useful and that it amply repaid her for the little sacrifice of her time. This was very amiable but Charlotte's kindness extended farther and Elizabeth had any conception of.